You've got a passion for the outdoors, a desire to feel the warm sun on your face, the sound of your fly line whipping through the air, the pop of the water as the fish inhales the fly you just found in the floorboard of your truck. You need to feel the cool waters on your feet, the crisp north breeze of a November morning, the sound of a turkey gobble, the December rut, the chills of an elk bugle in September. It's the longing passion to chase your obsession. This is what we share. This is what we preach. Welcome to Honey Hole Hangout. You know, if we're going to start doing video, can we get like an intro video so I don't have to sit here and bob my head and scratch at the couch? And right. Everywhere you look. Everywhere. <laughs> just like that. Just <laughs> landed. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> oh, man, that would be awesome. Well, guys, welcome to the show. It's good to be here in the living room again with you guys. And we have a great guest today. Judd with Helen Back Outfitters. Oh, glad to be here, guys. And also green a little bit now, too. A little bit of green, green outfitters. A little bit of green outfitters. Yep, yep, working in the shop there. Cool. Well, we'll get into that a little bit later. Okay. But first, what's everybody been up to? You guys been fishing, tying? Anything worth reporting? I fished a little bit. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yep. yep, Ken and I went out before school starts back up. And? We caught fish. I mean, like, the river's sad, you know. Um... It was for her birthday, and uh, we went out, and I was like, okay, we can go out for your birthday. I was like, but the river's going to be dry. <laughs> she was just like, okay. She, started, <laughs> she turned 30, too, and so she was like, of course, like, my 30th birthday, the river's just going to be like a riverbed when we get out there. There's not going to be any fish, <laughs> but we got out there, and we caught a lot of fish and had a good time. Was fishing easy, hard? How would you rate um, it with the current conditions? We didn't catch any bass, but we caught a ton of panfish. Um, and where we went, like I said, like it wasn't really running, but there were, there were large pockets of water. And so I felt like all the fish were kind of held up there. Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of like, once you found them, you're kind of in them because they didn't really have <coughs> a lot of places to go, Yeah, you know? Um, but we were only out there for a couple hours in the morning, but we had a good time. Nice. Was the water dirty? Uh, yeah, it was yeah. pretty stained. Were you on the quad? Yeah. yeah. Yep. What color were the sunfish? They were super colored out, though. The, like, it's weird, isn't it? Yeah, like they're crazy bright and vibrant right it's, now. It, they look like aquarium fish for like the last six months. Every one I've caught it's just absolutely... I caught some uh, a couple weeks ago. They were the brightest yellow I've ever seen. Yeah. It was crazy. Like Kendall from across the river, she pulled out, and I'd be like, oh, like the bright orange belly. Mm -hmm. Like you could see little green specks and stuff. It was, it was cool. Blue. There's been some real bright blue. It's been mm -hmm. it's been weird. Some of them I've noticed have a purple iridescence too. You get them yeah. in some sunlight. Yeah. Back tail end. You know, it's, got it's a really shine. cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've caught a handful like that where it's like that purple shine yep. is really cool. You've been uh, hammering cyclids. Uh huh. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're not asking where, but like, kind of talk talk to us about it. They swim. Uh, they eat my fly. That's about all I'm going to say. <laughs> they, they're green and they swim in the water? <laughs> no, those are, that's bass. <laughs> that's bad. Uh, we no. still have that button on the board. They're green and they swim in the water. <laughs> oh, yeah. no, we found a, we found a, we found them. It's been cool. Got into some really, probably the biggest I've ever caught. Yeah. No, they, they're huge. Huge. Yeah. 
like, like consistently big. Yeah, and like I can, a, I could, I I could go right now and catch one right now. Cool. Like it's that. It's just like it's ridiculous. Just know that's where they're at. Oh yeah, they're there. And it's not like a pond cra- either. I'm going to tell you guys that right now. It's not <laughs> yeah. a pond. But they're there like the carp are there, right? The carp are not there. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, – no, they've been cool. And they're very – they're eating for sure. They're, they ha- they're not picky or anything. I don't think these fish are fly fished for, to be honest. Mm. Low pressure. No, exactly, exactly. So as soon as I put a fly in front of them, like it could be five foot away, they ambush it. Really? Man. Oh, it's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. It's, it's cool. That's good. But uh, – I've never had a cichlid go that far for. Oh me. yeah, no, it's crazy. It neither have I, and they're not the big ones, the little ones, yeah, not yeah, the yeah. big ones. And these are just they're absolutely demolishing. That's it. cool. It's it's really cool. They may be getting hungry in some of these low water pools. And yeah. yeah, maybe. Yeah, starving maybe. to death. Yeah, really. it could be it. This is the last bit of effort, just to like, oh, one last meal. Yeah, and then we're yeah. like, oh, that was a fly. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and then time flies. And that's all I do. What are you tying right now? Uh, right now I'm sitting on Landon's couch, not tying anything. No, I I don't know. I'm <laughs> screwing. I was streamers. That gives me an idea, though. Would you like to be if we set up a little table in front of you? You know, why we're recording since it's on video now. It might be a cool idea if you were tying. Especially since you don't have your he, phone with you. Yeah, yeah, since you don't have need, your phone. I need he runs to the board, me. I run the computer. Well, you run the flies. Mm-hmm. And the guest is already always nervous and trying to figure out where to <laughs> go in. So they don't need anything else. But you, maybe like having a little table in front of you. I thought about that. I didn't know how you felt about it being in the living room. Oh, dude, I got a vacuum. Perfect. Just don't drop a hook on the ground. No promises. Okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Fidget spinner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but we could get you a little. Uh, I've a got t- a table. We could get you a TV tray. I've got one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Bring it next time, yeah, and you I'll can tie it. on the yeah, podcast. Cool. It'll be. I'll be the interesting one next time. Maybe not. No, You're we have always a guest the next time, right? You're always yeah. the interesting yeah, okay. one. <laughs> but we have to cut out the interesting parts. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> yeah. Interesting parts are always podcast appropriate. Yeah. So I have a question for you, Zach, because you've been hitting it really hard. Okay. Hitting what? You've been hitting tying and fishing really hard. Okay. And last time you hit tying and fishing really hard, you burned out and crashed and had a fly fishing retirement for (laughs) like two years. Yeah. You fell off the radar and we never heard from you. And then, so I'm kind of worried. Do you feel like you're going to burn out on this like, no, I don't think so. Something feels different this time. You found passion. Well, it's the podcast, right? No, Is it, <laughs> do you feel less pressure. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Something just feels different. It doesn't feel like a job. Last time it felt like a job, gotcha. but then again, no, uh, yeah, last time it felt like a job. It doesn't feel like that this time. I don't know. Good. It's I'm tying a lot less. I guess I tie two flies a day, and that's it. Maybe that's why. Okay. Like the two flies that I put in the pictures, those are the only two I tied that day, and that's it. Okay. Yeah. So I I stop. I don't I don't sit there and get home from work and tie until I go to sleep at night. Moderation. Exactly. <laughs> I think that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't think I'm gonna burn out. Okay. We'll see. I didn't think I was gonna burn out the first time either. <laughs> <laughs> well, if that's the case, if I burn out, we can just go back to talking about baseball. <laughs> <laughs> 
Your favorite thing. Yeah. <laughs> your favorite. Any sports. Any sports. Yeah, any sports. <laughs> That's specifically baseball. Yeah. <laughs> you, what you need to do is just pick an obscure sport that you're interested in, learn about it, and bring it to Curling. the table. Curling? Okay. Curling, yeah. I feel like that's everyone's like obscure go-to sport. That's just the most obscure one I could think of. Yeah. UFC would be a good one. UFC? MMA? No? Nah. Boxing? No. Nah. No? No, that's kind of hard. Think. Oh, Cornhole? Cornhole. Cornhole. That's, that's a, a big thing now. Thing yeah. Now. yeah. Cornhole or, or the ring toss game. Pickleball. So the, ooh, you know the ring oh, toss. <laughs> Not like washers, but like where it's hanging from a string. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, These guys yeah, know. Yeah. It, we played at Real Recovery. Hook on the wall. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I got one in my house. Yep. Uh, yep. 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 You're yep. my kind of guy, Jeff. <laughs> 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 um, hey, uh, this next school year, though, I'm going to be the esports coach. So, actually, that oh, is a sport that I can okay. talk to you about. Yeah, well, the, we can talk Smash Bros. all day the long. The first semester, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're doing Smash Brothers tournaments. And then the second really? semester is Mario Kart. Yeah. Oh, wow. Is there an age limit? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 12 and 13. <laughs> oh, 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 I don't want anything. <laughs> no. So esports is a thing now. It's a thing, yeah. It's been going on. I mean, like, ESPN. You compete against other schools? Yeah, we have an actual team on campus that I'm going to be coaching. I feel like it. And you play against them online, or you, like, no, meet like, up? No, like, there's a Saturday in October and a Saturday in December where we will go with other <coughs> schools and compete against them. No way. Do you think it's a, yeah. if you can't beat them, join them kind of thing? Like, the kids are going to play video games regardless, so we might as well, like, I th- I th- make it make it into a learning situation. I like, think um, that's part of it, you know? I think that so many kids, and to be honest, like, there's a lot of kids who aren't interested in traditional sports, and they do like that, but they also, like, want to, compete with their friends and do that want to be a part of something exactly and so i do think that they're doing that it is good socially really right and then like the like a ton of people like more people are watching these esport tournaments than are watching like the super bowl you know what Mm. i mean like well well, more people are watching an esports tournament ridiculous than the super bowl hundreds of millions of people watch esports wow well i'm talking about like a single east or like if you took all the esports tournaments and added them together, it's more than the Super Bowl. I'm wondering if it's like one event is more than the Super Bowl. One event is more than the Super Bowl. You wow. should see. What? So I'm a big, I like to play fighting games. Okay. Yeah, the fighting and games are some of the biggest ones. Evo was recently, and it's like Street Fighter Six had just come yeah. out. Oh, dude. It's disgustingly huge. Yeah. Like we it had was our phones, we could confirm the numbers, but. Yeah, but somebody <laughs> took them away from us. <laughs> I think that's a pretty cool idea, having an outlet for those kids oh, to yeah. do that because it's been around even – I think had that been around, I might not have the aversion to technology that I have nowadays because yeah. when I was a kid, it was always get off the video games. Yeah. You're going to ruin your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's just going to turn your brain to mush. And now that they have a actual team competition, yeah, yeah good, good. Well, well they I, can still learn skills like, okay, being coachable. Well, and that's the thing, too. And there's, then, a, there's a big uh, push towards, you know, like, how to be good winners, but also, you know, good losers as well. Like, that's a big effort in this. this, this there's a teamwork story. aspect right. of it if you're, like, competing with other people. How do we let the team win and, like, strategizing and all that kind of stuff that is that's good pretty, skills. That's pretty cool. cool. I'm really excited. Like, I've t- I told some kids about it yesterday at prep day, and they were like, oh, I didn't know that was going to be a thing. And they're, like, really pumped. A lot oh, okay. goes into learning to play those games really yeah. well too. It's not just like you pick it up and play it and you're good at it. Like it's it's hard, man. Yeah. Not just the fighting games either, but like 
Call of Duty or whatever they right, play. Right. Fortnite. I don't yeah. know. I don't play those. They're into Rainbow Six Siege. I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a Call of Duty game. <laughs> okay. So I haven't been fishing, but I've been tying some flies up. What are you tying? It's been really good. Uh, tied some um, Avalon crabs, which is a super fun tie. But I've been doing a lot of not just tying the fly, but a lot of experimenting, tinkering, changing some materials, substituting some things, either because I don't have the material or I want to make a change to do something. So it's been a lot of uh, really been it's really been a good learning experience to like tinker and like, okay, this material works, this material doesn't work. And I'm going through a lot of stuff that I normally don't use and figuring out how to use it. So it's been really good because I'm always been pretty much like a, I like to tie easy flies, simple, couple Sounds materials. Sounds like an excuse to me. What's, what sounds like an excuse? I like to tie easy flies. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Tra- traditionally, yes, but now, like, you know, I, I've always been like, I'm not a super creative person, so I've always been like, okay, this is the pattern. These are the materials. This is how you tie it. I'm trying to break away from that. Be like, okay, this is the pattern. Here's the materials, but I'm gonna try swapping this for this because I have this, and oh, I I have this. Uh, yeah, hog hair. Dark side. I'm See, like the funny thing is he's like the exact opposite. Yeah, he, I'm he, like, he doesn't read recipes. He's like, I like this one. Yeah. <laughs> I like yeah. these it looks materials. Like it has this and this and this. So yeah. let's see what it turns out. If it sparkles, it goes on the hook every single time. Yeah, yeah. You know, a fish that doesn't eat something that's sparkly outside of carp. <laughs> hey, well, <laughs> hang on. There's a few carp flies that are nothing but like cactus chenilles. So. Okay, see, so yeah, yeah a sparkle True. catches everything. Yeah, I'm not dogging you. I'm just, I'm just saying it's like yin and yang right here. Yeah, it's coming together. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's. Oh, but on that real quick, I, I watched this video earlier where oh. a guy took a photo at an aquarium with his flash on, and I don't know what happened, but I guess a fish saw it and thought it was something sparkly and like swam towards it so fast it actually ran to the glass and like killed itself. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. Like it was, was it a crazy. tuna? What was yeah, it? Yeah, I mean like it was like a one of those huge aquariums with with oh, um, okay. saltwater. So salt okay, that makes sense. Yeah, but like okay. they used flash on the camera and just one of the fish just saw it and was just like beelined right towards it, ran to the glass and immediately was like mm. I recently saw an aquarium video where a shark ate a stingray in the tank and it was like Bit it, was thrashing it, blood was going everywhere in the water, and then kids in the background were just Freaking screaming. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Circle alive. Yeah, circle alive. <laughs> so, all right. I mean, if you had me in a room with a bunch of cheeseburgers and told me, no, you can't eat those, I'm just going to say, I probably would eat one or two of them at some point. Really, cheeseburgers? Something. Are they unwrapped or are they ready to go or... I'm talking about like I'm referring I'm to sharks and stingrays. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I get it. It's just I think you took it too far. It's just it's <laughs> a lot of effort to eat. It. I mean, like maybe like you know, popcorn chicken. Just grab one and pop it in. You know? No cheeseburgers like McDouble's. <laughs> 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 Every time I go fishing, when I'm done, I get four McDouble's. Uh, four? four, four. Every Dang. time, and Every you just like hammer through them. I wow. go through the drive-thru. I don't get out of my truck. I park. I go through the drive-thru and park and, and smash them real quick, and then I'm out. <laughs> I go home. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Dang. That's your post-fishing. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. my success. That's my trophy. That's my, your trophy. My reward. Nice. Do you yeah. guys like sausage wraps? 
Like sausage and a tortilla. Uh, yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. 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 I had I had a couple yesterday. And I told Kendall that's what they gave us for lunch, and she was like, a so- what, "What's a sausage wrap? A little mustard, maybe? Yeah, mustard. Like, oh yeah, some oh, shredded ketchup. cheese. Oh, I'd yeah. eat that for lunch. I'd eat oh, that for lunch. Yeah, it was so good. Yeah. They're they're easy. They're not like sloppy, so you can wrap them up and put them in a backpack. And that's why they did it, I think, because they can make so many of them, yeah. and they just wrapped each one in foil, and you just like just grab it and go. Yeah, you can make them for like fifty cents. Yeah, yeah. I think I don't know about nowadays, but at some point you could, I'm sure. <laughs> Everything's gotten so expensive nowadays. Yeah. <coughs> so, we're gonna play our game that we've been playing the last couple of weeks. Okay, random fly game. Random fly game. Okay. Here are the parameters, okay. and I'll explain the rules so you understand what's going on, because you'll participate okay. too. Uh-oh. So. That, does, that doesn't count. He's a guide. So. <laughs> it's not fair. <laughs> there's, there's, no, there's no winner. There's no rules. You I are, feel like there's a winner every time, and it's you, me. <laughs> you're going to rank these flies in order. From one to five, one being the fly that will catch the most fish species. Okay. So the most versatile fly. The thing about this game is that you have to, I'm going to give you the first one, you have to rank it from one to five, but you don't know what the next flies are on the list. So, so you have to put it in a place. You have yeah. to put it in a place. Okay. And you can't change it. And your fifth fly that he gives you, it just goes wherever. Wherever. Your empty spot is. Yeah. Okay. It, it can so. get a little heated. It does get heated. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so this is who, what can catch the most species. Species. Of fish. Yep. Oh yeah. Wait. What are the rules this time? I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> most versatile fly as far as catching the most species of fish. Okay. I'm holding out my number one slot. There's a certain pattern that I use for everything. All right. Go on. Go on. Okay. Are these thing. common? Patterns like it's not going to be some off. Everybody wall. here will know what these no, patterns okay. are. Yeah, Natalie Portman shaved head. Natalie Portman shaved head. Yep. That's a fly. It is. Never heard of it. <laughs> what? It is. That was from our old game show game. Flyer band. Flyer band. Where we would give a fly. Wait, that's actually a fly. Natalie Portman, Portman shaved head. Really? I'm gonna have to look into it. It's a streamer. I don't know. No? I can't remember. They all have all the streamers have weird names like that. No, there's like it was the, a fun game. Yeah, it was called. Fly like, or, or band. band, and you had to say if it was an indie band or an obscure fly name. My recent favorite one is the Knuckle Deep. I like that <laughs> one. <laughs> what? It's a fly name. Don't be dirty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Crease fly. A grease fly? Crease fly. Crease. Oh, okay, I don't even know that. Like, you a, don't ta- know what like a taco pescado. Yeah. Don't know what a taco pescado is. <laughs> it's a piece of foam folded, folded in half. half. It's kind of like a, a popper. It's a popper. It's oh, like so a it's literally co- like it's and called a crease fly because it's a piece of foam creased over. Yeah, correct. Oh, okay. Use it like a little bait fish or minnow. Yeah, yeah. looking little oh, hair sticking okay, out okay. the back sometimes. Like, gotcha. Hey, how high does the camera? Does it cut? Like, what's the lowest part of me you can see? <laughs> oh, kitten caboodle. This might not be part of the the <laughs> podcast. What's the lowest point? Yeah, you, you, can what, you keep going, and I'll tell you what to stop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, well, that's not good. Yeah. <laughs> you okay? I've got a, I've got a, I've got a scratch. <laughs> do, you can do your scratch. No, it's cool. I'll just suffer. <laughs> Especially now that you've called attention to it. Yeah. That's going to make a great Well, like, dude, it's Instagram either I clip. ask you guys or I just 
do it. And that's you should have just done it. That's true. Nobody would have noticed. Nobody would have noticed. See how everybody else's camera's going straight on. Yours is artistic. I feel that's what. Mine's that's what, what? Yours is artistic. Oh. Like you get the angle going on. I feel like th- it's funnier to ask things like that. <laughs> 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 uh, Crease fly. Who goes first? Hey, you just, just when, it where, yeah, it doesn't matter. Just shout it out. I'm gonna say four. Four, like one being catches the most different species, right? One being the fly that catches the most okay. species. Well, that's like that's relevant, I think, or that's uh, uh, what's the word? Relevant, not relevant. That's relevant to the situation, I guess. Like yeah. a lot of flies can catch a lot of species, right? Maybe you should rethink this rule. You guys are just <laughs> complaining because you always complain. <laughs> There's no perfect way to put it. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, man. Yeah, I'm going for it. I'm holding out for some traditionals on here, so I'm going to put the crease fly number five. Number five? Okay. I like it. I use it. Just not one of mine that I go to for everything. Yeah. I'll I'll give it a three. A three? Okay. Wow. I know. Well, whatever. (laughs) 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 Got to be different. Okay, the <coughs> next one we are going to do is a woolly bugger. Oh. I'm going to go number one all around. Yeah. I mean, that's that feels a, right, right? I yeah. Get I mean, I'll also give that one a three. <laughs> <laughs> can't do that. You can't do that. You're going one as well? <sighs> like The only thing that would be different is if you said Clouser Minnow. Yeah, that's what the that, other one I'm... That's the only... But you know what? Okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go one. Yep, uh, two. Okay, no. holding out for the minnow. No, there's something else <laughs> no. I'm holding out for that I'm pretty sure it's on this list. But you know what? Landon probably knows what I'm talking about, so he probably is gonna ignore it if you wrote it on the list. Just come up with a different one. No, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm sticking to my list. Perfect. Scruple, scruple. <laughs> <laughs> uh, headstand. Egan's headstand. What numbers have I used already? Three and two. Yeah, three, four. And two. four. I'm gonna go four. Yeah. I've caught panfish and bass off of it. Catch pretty much everything here with it, but yeah. it's just not like its usability is not versatile. I don't think I'm gonna like, go if it's tied the way it's supposed to be tied. It was a carp I'm fly gonna, initially, gonna, wasn't it? Right, I'm gonna go yeah. five. You're gonna go five? Yeah, okay. I'll put it at five. I've already used four. I do think the popper probably would catch a little bit. Of uh, clouds or minnow? Two. Get, yeah, it's got to go two down. Yep. What numbers have I used again? <laughs> you have one and five. five. One and five? Left over. Five. Just, I've, I don't fish clouds or minnows. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter if you fish it. It's the most versatile. I'm holding out for my number well, one he's slot. not winning this round. That's sure. <laughs> <laughs> no. no, because you guys are stuck with a squirmy worm. Shit. And what I have? I have It's not left. what I was hoping you would say. And I have three left over? But yeah, you two have three <laughs> and you have one. But you know what? <laughs> Live worms catches anything. So squirmy worm. Yeah. Actually, you know yeah. what? I'll that's give it a one. That's a good argument. Yeah. I uh, could take that. I'm I've okay caught with bass that. and panfish yeah. and trout. Catfish yeah. on a squirm. Yeah. So yeah, it's I'm pretty happy with my order. Yep. So you end up with woolly bugger, clouser, <laughs> squirmy worm. Headstand, crease fly. Yeah, I like that order because I have the the crease fly and the headstand swapped. I have. That's the only thing I would do different. 
Go just because I like fishing topwater more than the little carp stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you have woolly bugger, clouser, squirmy worm, crease fly headstand. Yeah. And you ended up with squirmy worm, woolly bugger, crease fly, headstand, clouser. Just feels random. <laughs> just feels like you lost this time. I don't know. I don't Dude. know why. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. <laughs> All you do is go to your secret spot on the quad and catch a little sunfish. Yeah, dude. Yeah. And what was your number one? What was his number one? Willie Bugger. Oh, I thought it was Clouser. Was yours Clouser? No, I'm Willie no. Bugger too. Oh. Yeah. That's why you only catch sunfish. Not you. You're a guide. You don't count. <laughs> 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 and I hardly actually even fish a Willie Bugger. Really? Yeah. Oh, man. I think when I first got started, probably all of us, well, except for you, yeah. I, I think that's all I fished for yeah. a while was Willie Buggers. And then I found the real getter. I did, you know, when I first started, I fished Wooly Bugger and uh, a Gurgler a lot. Those are the two. Dude, the real getter will catch anything. Oh, yeah, real getter after, you know, like anything. Is know. that what you thought I was going to say? Yeah, I was really hoping for that. <laughs> but I'm serious. You can see a five-pound bass, which has happened yeah. there, that won't touch any flies, but you let a real getter, you do a drag and drop with yeah. a real getter, they'll eat it every time. Yeah, It's crazy. I mean, every time I've done it, anyway. No, I mean, it does, that's <laughs> for our river. I would say that's prob- probably the most productive fly. Yeah, it's. In, yeah. It's. I mean, it's at least kind for of me. A, for me, it is. Yeah, it's kind of like a woolly bugger, I guess, but a really small version. I don't know. They're cool. Yeah, woolly buggers don't have enough color for <coughs> me to fish them all the time, though. I know you can time right. with color, and they're not yeah. shiny enough. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. There's no, and actually, there's no, you know eyes on it it's just the cone head and right. i'm like i want something that looks like something else well you could put eyes on it i know so i'm know. confused what's the problem so i found this guy posted this instagram Wait, account what's your list you don't get to miss out on this what's what would my order? list be yeah what's your order my order, if I was going to order them, and I knew in advance what all of them were because, you know, you guys are at a disadvantage, <laughs> I would do do Clouser, Wooly Bugger, uh, Squirmy Worm, Headstand, Crease Fly. Mm. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Clouser, you fish Clousers a lot? Uh, like, have you fished it enough to be your – I mean, it sounds like you're confident that it'll catch a lot. I'm not saying it won't. I just – Oh, dude, you could catch anything on a Clouser. Really? Yeah. See, I, the clouser is the fly that has caught the most fish species. I want to say, yeah, I think it has been. It's been. It's like confirmed. the f- confirmed, and it's like yeah. hundreds of species. Well, I mean, it. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not disagreeing with that, but me, like personally, for some reason, I've got it stuck in my head that clousers, like for certain species, like if I go after a striper, I'll throw a clouser all day long. Oh yeah. But like bass, I don't know. I think I think that's the conventional side coming out of me. Like I want more hair, more. Rubber legs or whatever coming off. More of color. Yeah. I'm not trash talking the clouser by any mm-hmm. means. I was just hearing your thought on it. Yeah. yeah. And I think, like, the clouser right now with, like, <coughs> really low conditions, clear water-ish, but, like, a really sparsely tied clouser, like, on bead chain yeah. is probably mm-hmm. the way to go. You get this really soft landing, and it's just kind of barely any hair there. I think that's the way to go. I, I would fish it, like, in these conditions. But, like, normal conditions, I don't really fish them that much. But I'll fish them at the coast all the time. Yeah? Yeah. Clousers clean up. Well, you throw anything in front of a redfish, though, it's 
pretty much get it in front gonna of gonna eat. Yeah. 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 I like to throw clousers in the green lights down there. Oh, yeah. You catch, I mean, they're not all big, but you can catch 100 trout in a night, no problem. Good. On a clouser, yeah. Pretty cool. And clousers, like, for white bass are the go to the, the yeah. only thing that you throw basically yep. i mean not the only thing that's an exaggeration but like i've i think i've only ever thrown clousers for white bass so some other guys throw some different things and they might throw like marabou clousers or like switch them up a little bit but it's just basically Half the clouds yeah, yeah the clouser platform that one white bass i caught with you that was like this big was on a brunch bunny yep i think dude you clean up on I the brunch bunny it was though. white and pink actually pink and white yeah, i remember Remember that was a weird area to catch a white bass. Yeah, in. on a weird fly too. Yeah. I was like, okay. We were up in up in comfort. On the guad. Yeah. yeah. And he pulled a white bass and I just I mean, I'm maybe I'm just out of the know, but it seemed like a really far away to, to be catching white bass from where yeah. people normally catch them, yeah. you know. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, yeah, it was only this big though. I've got a picture. I don't of think it. it was that big. Yeah, it was yeah, it was tiny little thing. It was my first one, so I'll take it. So this guy on Instagram, Trout for Brains. Is his account. I would love to look at his account. You can't. I know. So I'm going to tell you. (laughs) I know. We should get a big screen. We have a big screen. Look at that. (laughs) We could could screen share. Maybe. I'm not going to set that up right now, though. But what I'm going to tell you what's happening (laughs) (laughs) is he posted, like, fly fishing hot takes, basically. So you want our opinions on these hot takes? Yeah, I want your opinions on these hot takes. I like this idea. So, uh, if I, and there's like 20, so if I say one and you have a strong opinion on it, go for it. Just okay. let us know what you think. Let me get comfortable here. Go on. Okay. <laughs> Fishing in well-stocked urban ponds is just as challenging as in remote wilderness okay. areas. Come yeah, on. Okay. What? Who is this guy? Really? Yeah, that's what it says. I'm reading. Wait, okay. Maybe I misunderstood what's going on here. Like, so he's. Agreeing with that, or he's yes. this he's is his opinion. This is his opinion and hot take, basically. So fishing well-stocked urban, yeah, it's just as fishing hard as fishing like well-stocked a wild urban ponds is just as challenging as in remote wilderness areas. Uh, I disagree. I don't know. You know what? Actually, I feel like I feel like remote wilderness areas you get fish that aren't fished at all. Like if I think about the times I've gone trout fishing in very remote places, it's like the easiest. Fishing of my life. That's true. Like but if I th- if I think hard, if I the effort to get there is hard, but when I think about like a San Antonio pond stocked with bass, mm. have you ever thrown a fly to a bass that gets fished for all day long? Yeah, it's tough. Have you ever caught one? Yeah, it's pretty. It takes you got to cast to a lot of fish before you get an eat, right? Yeah, yeah. So and think about what you just said though, that wilderness is easy once you get there. So yeah, it's so like I'm opposites. Actually, so you're gonna agree with this guy. I'm agreeing a- with agreeing? him. Agreeing? Wait a minute. Okay, I'm really confused. No, no. Apparently, he is saying that fishing and a thought he said it was the same is the same difficulty as fishing like a wild stream. Depends on what you want to quali- quantify difficulty as. True. Difficulty okay. getting back to the back country to go catch some of those little tiny trout or whatever may be challenging to some folks. Walking up to the park pond over here to catch these stalker trout, maybe easy as just walking over to the curb, you know. But catching those picky fish 
that are in the stock pond may be challenging. So I yeah. guess it depends on. Okay, I didn't think about it like that. That's yeah. that's pretty analytical. I yeah. like that answer. Maybe I it's agree easier with to get a wild fish that doesn't see a lot of flies to eat. Easier. Yeah. Easier, yeah. Than a fish that sees everything all day long. See, that's what I was I was thinking about is the 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 willingness to eat a fly. I feel like the yeah. the the wild distant fish are easier than a fish that gets fished for all day long. Yeah, sure. I, I can see. But that. I didn't think about the other side of things. That's a pretty good way of looking at the it. Actual effort to yeah. even, like if you take the whole day into effect, you know, or into account. All right, synthetic flies are just as effective as traditional ones, and sometimes even better. Okay, agreed. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, yeah I feel like that's a hot take. Depends on what flies you're fishing, though, too. Yeah, I'm gonna say most of my trout nymphs i'm pretty hung up on having natural materials nothing moves in the water like cdc marabou certain things yeah you can recreate some things when synthetic but i'm definitely hung on the depends on the fly natural yeah it depends on the fly maybe what i'm fishing for i have a lot of synthetic stuff in my bass flies yeah. a lot of yeah. saltwater flies i would say i I preference natural, but I would agree that sometimes synthetic flies are better. See, the thing that I, f- the reason I see synthetic is better. I mean, it's it's a small reason in the whole big picture, but is that it's so I can order a package of EP fibers a hundred times and they're all going to be exactly the same. I can order a hundred, I don't know, Indian hidden saddles, and they're all going to be completely different from each other, and that that's frustrating to me. Well, that's a that's a tires perspective, though. What about from a fishing perspective? I didn't hear a fishing or tying perspective in the question. <laughs> it just said flies. Yeah, effective of the effectiveness of a fly would be determined based on its ability to catch a fish. Oh, did I didn't hear that part? I think I butted in <laughs> when you were talking. <laughs> what could you use as like um like a here's you're like, what could you use that would be synthetic? Well, you can use like a Whitlock's FS blend dubbing or something. Yeah, synthetic yeah. dubbing and stuff. Mm-hmm. Cool. But I'm thinking like, again, like your like example of CDC. CDC is my favorite material. Nothing moves like CDC. Marabou is impossible to replace synthetically. Yeah. Natural hair's ear, you know, dubbing. It's got the guard hair yep. and the under fur. It's yeah. got its own little spikiness when you comb it out and stuff. It's like even with the synthetic... It doesn't look tapered, it's natural. Not it's not the same. Yeah. It looks chunky, blocky, chopped off. Um, again, yeah, the natural stuff just got that <coughs> natural motion. The next one is the material used for tying flies matters less than the fly's general profile and movement. I don't understand the question or the, the, the statement. The materials like used? He's coming at it from, like, a my perspective. That, yes. like, if I get materials that look like and act similar enough. To a crawfish. Right. To a crawfish's profile versus one of your flies that <coughs> looks more specifically like a crawfish. His, uh, the, the general profile is a lot more important than the actual, like, getting it to specifically look like a Read oh, it one more time. Yeah, we hear that time. one more time. Okay. I hear that way. The material used for tying flies matters less than the general than the flies' general profile and movement. I don't think you. I don't think you explained it right. Yeah, I think. And my. It's like as long as you get the same motion, 
Same, yeah. And same profile out of it. Yeah, that's what I'm getting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, but, well, it depends, though, because some materials are going to soak up more water than others, so your profile might be the same, but your 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 Those swimming motion. action will be completely different. You know, it sink rate, whatever. Let me give you guys... So that's like a 50-50. Yeah, I got you. Let me give you the next one. I'm going to go get my charger because the computer's about to die. Uh, I forgot having four things plugged into it. It's probably killing the <coughs> battery. Uh, landing nets are unnecessary. You can simply land false. fish by hand. Yeah, false. I'm going to say false for sure. Well, wait, what do you think? Uh, landing net to close the deal for sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I fi- mean, there are times I go out without a landing net because I don't want to carry a bunch of stuff with me. If I'm just kind of like bringing you know, a box of flies in my pocket and chemo is with me in my rod. But I feel like there's a greater chance, especially if you're fishing barbless hooks, that you're going to lose the fish, sure. especially right as you're bringing it into you. From a guide perspective, I had a, a guide buddy of mine long ago. I asked him. I was doing a double boat with him. Uh, we were bass fishing, and I just asked him casually before we started the day if I needed to bring my landing net because all of my bass fishing, I just lip the bass out of the water, pick him up. And he made a good point to me. He's like, your client's not going to do that. You need to have that net to secure that fish for that client because he's not going to be able to bend over in the raft, whether he's physically incapable or whatever. You need to close that deal. So have that net always, whether it's – and anytime I trout fished, that was a given. The net was with me, but prior to that trip, when I bass fished, the net may or may not be in the boat because I just – and, yeah, I would hate to lose – a nice bass for a client because I didn't have that net just to easily slip it under yep. trying to lift the fish instead. So that's a great perspective because yeah. it's, it's totally different if you're doing it for somebody else, you know, like you, you know, even if you're taking a buddy out fishing for the first time or whatever, like you just want to make sure that like you work hard for that fish, you yeah. know? Yeah. Nothing's worse than <laughs> losing. You know, if you do it yourself, it's a little bit like, oh, okay, whatever. But kind of depends on your terrain too. Like if you're fishing some of these urban, you know, areas, you're not right on the water. You're not in the water. You're three or four foot off of the water, maybe sometimes, and you can't just reach down and grab it. Sure. You got to have something that can extend or. But well, and then for trout fishing, it's about like the actual health of the fish. Yeah, you know? that a landing too. net actually is taking better care of the fish. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, you're you're landing him quicker, getting him in the net instead of fighting the fish to exhaustion mm-hmm. and then releasing him once he's totally give out. Yep. Traditional bamboo rods are more of a collector's item than a practical fishing tool. I've never used one, so I I'm out on that one. I've used them. Uh, to me, if it was just me using it, <coughs> I like using them. They're fun, but eh, I appreciate the modern rod technology that's out there and durability of it and also too just the time and energy put into making one of those rods i'd hate to break it yeah out there just messing around on the river i would say if i was like fishing like a small mountain stream fishing dry flies like all the time bamboo rod perfect it was like built for that that's like its moment but everything else i'd rather have a modern rod yeah yeah i've just casted one but the, like you said, the amount of effort and time and money it goes. I feel like every cast I make it, I'm just thinking like, oh, what if I break it? Yeah. What if I break it? Just the, <laughs> That fly just hit the tip now and it's yeah. got a, a mm-hmm. weak spot yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, it just it adds a level <coughs> of pressure to fishing that I don't, I don't need. Yeah, but if you're fishing, like like I said, if you're doing just small dry flies, you'll never like damage your rod by hitting 
hitting your rod. I don't know. But just, as even opposed just to catching like, like a big fish on it, like you know, bamboos. Like, I've never, bam- I've never broken a rod by fighting a fish. But I feel like if I fished a bamboo rod, that is the only thing I'd be thinking about. And bamboo, ro- bamboo's stronger than glass and carbon. Oh, just be, it's just so it's stronger. Pressure. It's so a stronger material. It's really not though. But I guess if I had all the money in the world, yeah, sure, yeah. I had a guy that showed up. He won one of the bamboo rods at Trout Fest a few years ago. Showed up with a three weight, wanting to fish the Guadalupe for trout with a three weight bamboo rod. I'm just like, are you crazy? <laughs> I don't even know how much money you spent on this rod. And he proceeded to show me how to catch Guadalupe trout with a three weight bamboo rod. Dang, nice. Yeah. I was nervous the whole day. He was going <laughs> to fall out of the boat directly and onto that rod and crush it, oh, but man. never happened. So. Yeah. <laughs> and he landed some nice fish with it, so it can be done. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> fly tying is a waste of time. Store-bought flies are just as effective. <laughs> <laughs> you out? You quitting? <laughs> I actually think he's using this as a bathroom break as well. Uh, I want to hear what he has to say when he gets back. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I have certain flies in my box that I have tweaked over the years they may be a variation of an old existing pattern but there is nowhere any fly shop in the world has these flies and both here in the Guad and in Colorado where I fish they were effective flies I think just because of the subtle differences from the commercially produced. What flies what, what kind of flies were they? I had a couple betis nymphs uh, okay. a slate drake nymph that I fished here on the Guad that crossed over for a drake nymph in Colorado um, my version of a squirmy worm, slightly different than most. Okay. The way people attach it to the hook, I do it a little different fashion to give it some different pro or different profile or movement in the water versus yep. the traditional way I see it commercially tied. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think, yeah, a lot of times I find it to be a waste of my personal fun time. Because as a guide, I'm coming home from the river. We may have lost all of those flies that day that are working that I can't go by at the shop. And now I have to sit down at the vice and tie flies. And it's the last thing I want to do when I'm tired and got to wash the boat and make lunches and spend some amount of time with the family. Then I got to go tie some flies. Yeah. yeah. So it it not always my favorite thing, but definitely not a waste of time. Thanks for joining us. Damn it. Did I not miss it? No, yeah, I no. It. No, I didn't even talk yet. No? All right, you go first. <laughs> yeah. I got a long answer, I think. Yeah, I, what the? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I got, I have, uh, I tie with too much color that uh, you can't buy that. It's a really weird reason. <laughs> yeah. You can't, uh, you can't, you can't buy flies that much color. But also there are, uh, there are flies though too that like I've tweaked over the years or Mm-hmm. I've done little things to him, you know. So, okay. Should we wait for him to? No, no. Go ahead. Okay. So the the thing was, fly tying is a waste of time. Store bought flies are just as effective. That's not completely wrong. There's nothing wrong with buying your own flies or buying flies, right? There's some really. Cl- I buy flies. Like oh, I, yeah. I went uh, to Real Fly and they had. Man, I can never remember the name of this fly, but it was the nastiest streamer I've ever seen, and I had to have it. So I bought like three. Mm-hmm. But there's, there's first of all, there's nothing like tying your own flies and then going out 
and targeting a specific fish and catching that fish on the fly. You tied to catch that fish. Yeah. So there's that. Uh, also, you can customize flies to your own water. Yeah. Like what if, excuse me, what if you want a, a sex dungeon, but you're fishing in two foot of water and it's too heavy and there's a lot of cover? Well, you could tie it hook up. You could tie it with bead chain. Like being able to tie your own flies is, if you can do it, it's, I think it's completely necessary. What if it, you want a spooky real getter? You know, a what? A spooky real getter. What's a spooky real getter? It's a real getter that's purple and orange. Like it's spooky season colors. Yeah. Matt, do you tie purple and orange real getters? I don't think. I don't think I've seen that one yet. I do. You, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You can't buy it. No, exactly. But I don't know. I think there's a lot. Like we could talk about this all night if you really want to. <laughs> I don't. I think waste of time is strong wording. That makes it come off very strong. Yeah. Like it's well, a complete waste of time. Well, hang on. I, I, I would think say. You, you know, could be doing better things with your life. Hey, now. <laughs> <laughs> I think if 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 you're getting into tying flies to save money, yeah, it's a waste of time because you're going to spend more money for sure by tying yeah. your own flies. Like wait, like substantial amounts more. Yeah. Than, yeah. You know, because you're going to get into tying. You're not going to. Most people. I don't want to say everybody, but a lot of people who start tying tie all sorts of flies. You know, I, getting ready to tie a fly. Well. I'll hopefully use them soon, but I'm getting ready to tie big Dorado flies. I don't fish Dorado very often, but I've never fished Dorado. Uh, but, yeah, you're going to spend a lot more. In that sense, yes, it's a waste of time. Don't do it if you're doing it to save money. Or if you're doing it because every time you fish one, you get a little bit more satisfaction, I feel like, when you catch a fly oh, or yeah. catch a fish on your own fly. Oh, yeah. I mean, the first time you do it, it was like this huge monumental moment. Mm-hmm. But, like, even now, like, if I am fishing with people and you give out your flies or you just catch one on, a, like, a new fly pattern or something, there's still a little bit of, like, oh, yeah, like, I did something right, you know? Yeah. Well, there's nothing wrong with buying flies, no. but there's definitely nothing wrong with tying them. No. This Trout for Brains guy, I don't think we'd be friends. <laughs> 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 or is it somebody that I know? Because no. the look you just... <laughs> no, it just, they keep getting good, so... Oh, okay. uh, Catch and release practices do more harm than good, disrupting oh. fish populations. What? Okay, this guy. That doesn't make any get, sense. Get him out of here. Mm. He probably doesn't even fish. He probably sits at home and plays like Wii fishing. <laughs> <laughs> the Bassmaster Classic. <laughs> yeah. I don't know this person, right? No, you okay, don't. Good. I don't think you do. I don't know. Is it somebody from around here? No, I don't think so. Good. <laughs> good. <laughs> don't tell me if it is. <laughs> uh, that, I don't. Feel like that makes any sense? It makes no sense. I, as a guide, what do you think? Less fish in the water means less fish to catch <laughs> yeah. next time. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Isn't that the whole point? Is like conservation. Like there are people that that live in this world though, where they think that catch and release is is not good. And there's if they're gonna catch fish, they're going to keep them and they're going to eat them. Now, if they're but if they people... see they see catch and release as, like, a waste of time torturing fish. Now, for the people that, like, lip trout and then put them back in the water, yeah, that might not be a good thing. Or, you know, hold them by the gill plates and take their picture and then put them back in the water. Yeah, that's horrible. That's not good at all. But if you're doing it right, it's it's way better than – I mean, it's it's way good for the ecosystem and everything. It's the populations and all that. I don't don't know who this is, but – I'm I mean, it. And it, if you think about it, why it why home? does Texas Parks and Wildlife put restrictions on catching sea trout or redfish? Right. 
exactly. Which didn't they didn't they up it recently? Like the like the 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 bag limit. The bag limit of trout like change three to five. But, but I'd have to look at it again. Yeah. I mean, no or no, it that. was it was the the length. They lowered the length or something like that. I I, mm. I forget. I'll research yeah. it for the next episode yeah. and we can talk about it then. It's, it was a big deal for a while. I don't remember what it was. Must not have been that big of a deal. It was anyway. So that was a hot take. Nobody agreed with. Fishing during the middle of the day can be more productive than during dawn or dusk. Mm. Certain times. Yeah. Can be. Certain species. In Texas species. right now, no. No. But. Well, yeah. I'm going to tell you. Warms up could I'm going to tell you. Those cichlids, it's been around 12 or 1 o'clock. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not saying it's better than the morning, but I'm just saying but it's, I mean, would you, it's doable. If you went out in the morning, would you catch those fish too? Uh, maybe not, because I'm sight fishing them, and if it's too early, the sun will be too low, and I won't be able to see them. Yeah, exactly. It's four a.m. Yeah, and actually, <laughs> like if you're sight fishing redfish, you might as well not even get on the boat at certain times of the day because you can't see. Like yeah. the higher the sun is, the easier it is to see in the water, right? Yeah. So I mean, I th- I think overall though, morning and evening is definitely <coughs> more productive. I mean, outside of like. There are certain times that he you're said "can be," which okay. I think is the right yeah, word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which be. is the right. That's a key okay. key yeah. phrase. Yeah, key that. phrase. That okay, <laughs> like, yeah, I guess we yeah, all have the to words agree. matter. Yeah, it can be more effective. Yeah, uh, using bright, flashy flies in clear water can actually scare fish away. Oh, yeah, no, that's bull. <laughs> <laughs> Depends what you're fishing for. Depends yeah. how good you are at casting. Are you like slamming that fly on the water? Or are you like actually presenting it nice? Yeah, the right the, presentation. Do you have right. a long leader, or are you fishing like a three foot leader? Like, there's a lot of other factors that go yeah. into this other yeah. than just like. But I feel like what, if, you're, if you're fishing for bass or panfish, like I've never struggled throwing bright flies, flashy flies, at that. Yeah. Uh, fishing from a boat is less rewarding. Than fishing, than wading in a river. Um, I think they're different experiences. Different, way different experiences. Uh, it's a team effort in the boat. You know, the guide's doing a lot of work that you may or may not realize. Uh, I would say more rewarding for me as an individual would be wade fishing because it's all me. Yeah. I caught the fish. I walked here. I found it. It's all on me. Versus me having to rely on a guide, maybe not as rewarding. I agree. Even, you know, even if it's not necessarily guided or whatever, you know, if you're out there, sometimes fishing from a boat is hard, especially in like a river, because the water, you know, you're not staying put. If you're standing there, you're in one spot, nothing changes. If you're in a boat, just slight little movements will change everything. Yeah. yeah. So I guess it. They both have their rewards. But I agree with you as far as being in the water. Like, I prefer that. Yeah. But do you I don't, prefer? I still, I still feel good either way. Like, if I catch a fish I'm wanting to catch waiting or in a boat. Fishing is that hard for you? You're no. just happy to catch one? I'm just, I'm just <laughs> like, I'm not like, oh, I waited and caught this fish. Like, that, I don't think about that. That doesn't give me, like, an extra sense of enjoyment. And I like, I mean, I'm a big fan of team fishing too. Like when you're, you know, on a, on a boat with somebody else and you're working together, like if you're on a skiff at the coast and somebody's pulling and like one person, you know, 
the person on the platform seeing fish and giving you directions like that team effort is cool too like i don't <laughs> feel a diminished value because i wasn't waiting for that fish saw it myself casted at it and caught it like there's a uh, the teamwork aspect is fun yeah, no that's cool that's yeah. a lot of fun so uh, i got there's actually a whole another list but we're going to save that for another Okay. Another show. We'll that. start talking to Judd about the Guad. So you wanted to talk all this episode's all about the Guad. Guadalupe River. Yeah, I've spent over half of my life now on the Guadalupe in some aspect, whether it's been guiding or working at a tube rental place, whitewater, just hanging out, being a river rat. So. Okay, let's talk let's start with the tube rental place. I'm okay. sure you've got some good stories. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, let's uh and that's where it all began. Let's uh yeah. Tell us some good stories from working at a at a tube rental. So I s- first came down to the Guad with my folks as a kid. We would come float the river and fell in love with the place. Uh I'll start over again here. I, I'm originally from Abilene, West Texas. Uh, Me too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, There's not a whole lot of water out there. And amazingly, I fell in love with fishing. My grandparents had a lake house on Lake Brownwood. Spent most of my childhood summers there. Developed a deep passion for fishing. Now, early days, it was all conventional gear fishing, you know, bait and everything in between. My granddad had a fly rod. He didn't know what he was doing. I didn't either, but we would get that thing out every once in a while and go catch panfish with it. And that's, I think, where I I picked up my love of fly fishing, watching him struggle to cast, and then even me struggling to cast. But it was just something drew me to that style of fishing. Uh, It wasn't until later that I got my own fly rod and kind of fell more into it where I put aside the conventional gear and not that I'm opposed to it I still go spin fishing with the kiddos but nowadays it's mostly my fishing with a fly rod Um, in college I did more fly fishing on my own it was kind of my own little oh secret thing because a lot of my roommates and buddies would make fun of me for going fishing oh you're gonna go with your little fairy wand (laughs) fishing today (laughs) you know i get it back then everything and again in texas we bass fish glitter boats heavy rods big line all that stuff i can see where they definitely would get a kick out of me walking out of there with this little wimpy rod But that's where I got more into the fly fishing thing. Fast forward into college a little bit more. Uh, My roommate, uh, his dad owned Rio Raft, uh, the tube place there at Fourth Crossing. So that's how I ended up in this part of the world. Uh, I came down with him a few times. Uh, During the summertime, I would come down and drive a shuttle bus on the weekend, just making some extra tip money. Uh, as a college kid, any extra money was always a given. Plus, you got free beers as tips driving a shuttle bus. Yeah. So that was <laughs> now a, we're talking. That was <laughs> one of the things <laughs> I learned my first day there. They told me get you a small cooler and just carry that in your shuttle van with you. And I figured out why, because most people getting on the river don't carry a lot of things with them, especially money or a wallet. So they're not going to tip you. But they will tip you beers, especially if they've had a few before they get on the shuttle <laughs> bus. I've walked out of there with cases of beer at the end of the day. <laughs> oh, so, man. yeah. And they're all different flavors, yeah. but that's 30-something beers in a row there. So, yeah. Yeah. Who do I send my application? Who <laughs> 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 <It> takes that? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I started 
renting tubes, working with the guys there, a uh, bunch of, you know, for lack of a better term, river rats. Some of these guys, uh, dating back to the early days of Rio Raft, the owners, friends and stuff, a bunch of old hippies that were kind of hanging around. A lot of these guys, whitewater junkies, a lot of them, again, literally old hippies. You know, they just fell in love with the river. They made a life on the river. They ended up buying this piece of property and turning it into what we know as Rio Raft with the cabins and tube rentals and stuff. So a very interesting crowd uh, that I worked with there. You know, a lot of older guys that have seen things happen on the river. So I got to hear a lot of stories from, you know, way back in the 40s and 50s before the dam was built. Um, Mm. Things that happened after the dam was built, you know, historic low flows, uh, historic flood events and stuff like that. So it was kind of a neat thing to get a education on just this one piece of river and even more so just this small section below Canyon Lake. Um, We did venture out with the tube stuff and the whitewater stuff to other places. A lot of times when the water was too high on the Guad uh, below Canyon Dam, we would load up a bunch of our big whitewater boats and we'd go float the upper river because oftentimes if they're releasing water out of canyon, we're at flood stage. They're dumping water out, so there's water coming in. And uh, it's a great whitewater float, uh, both the lower guad below canyon and the upper stuff. I really miss some of the water that we used to have fishing the upper, being able to float and fish some of that upper stretch without having to get out and walk or seeing some of the pictures you showed me where it's, you know, bone dry in places. And it's, it's kind of sad to think back to, you know, what used to be the normal flows in some of these places is now considered a freak event. You know, we get that high flow of 150 CFS like that (laughs) used to be a everyday thing. You know, if anything below 150 was, was bad. And now we're kind of at that, you know, anything, pretty low is kind of a normal right now so um getting to see some of that change working there with the tube stuff it was a lot of fun over the years I kind of grew to where I disliked some of the tube customers if you will I was young I'm kind of in that mentality with those people getting on the tubes but as I got older got married had kids and stuff my my interests changed I just didn't care to be the drunk guy getting on there yelling, hooping, and hollering, blasting tunes up and down the river. And that's what I see a lot of now. So I kind of had to find other things to do because I didn't want to be a part of that scene. But I still love the river. And that's when I kind of decided I wanted to do some guiding. There were some other factors that led me into the guide part of it one of them being losing my job but it was like I'm already here at the river I'm already working on the river renting tubes and stuff this going into the fishing aspect of it's just a natural yeah jump into it so that was what came next what year was that uh that was 08 when I started guiding okay and kind of what led me into guiding was I here in Texas in 2008, as we were across the United States in the housing crunch, you know, the uh, housing market was taking a dump in a lot of states and people were upside down, losing their homes and stuff. 
at that point in time, I did have a full-time job in Austin in my degree field. I was just out of college for three years, and I was working in landscaping in, hort- or in, in Austin. So my gr- degree was in horticulture, um, did a lot of residential landscaping in the west side of Austin. Uh, as you know, some nice big homes in that part of the, uh, of the city there. And a lot of new, nice, big homes being built, too. Well, in 08, a lot of those new homes just kind of stopped where they were, stopped progress. And since there were no new homes being built, there were no new homes needing to be landscaped. Kind of a funny thing, I was the newest account manager with this landscape company, and they literally told me this to my face, you're the easiest to let go right now. Wow. And so it was kind of a slap in the face. I had, you know, worked hard in in college to get this degree, and now I'm in my degree field doing the landscape thing. I didn't know what the future would look like there, but definitely was a slap in the face to tell you, you know, we're just going to let you go because you're the the newest guy here. And it kind of put a bad taste in me of that whole landscape industry. It's like this is a hard job to, you know, the only other way I'm going to make it any higher than where I'm at now is just to own my own company and do this all on my own. And I had no desire to do that. I didn't want to own a landscaping company. I didn't want to be that person that's 24-7 nonstop going to mow yards, not spending time having fun, you know. I enjoyed it, but it was a job. I didn't want that to be my forever thing. So it was kind of an, you know, an easy transition when I lost that job. I had to have something else to do. Um, I went and got a real estate license, which was probably not the best decision in the world, but I just needed something happening right then. At the time, uh, we were freshly married. We just bought a house, and all this kind of happened all at once, then lost my job. So I'm struggling trying to figure out what I'm going to do. I've got to take care of my wife and this house and everything. So went out, got a real estate license. I started doing apartment locating in San Marcos. And let me tell you, that's that's a racket. Uh, I'm sure you've seen the movie Glengarry, Glen Ross. They have that saying in there, ABC, always be closing. So a common thing, I guess, in real estate, you have to be closing on those properties to be making money. Well, in the apartment locating stuff, you got to be closing five or six a day to make any kind of money. I just, I'm not a salesman, just couldn't do it. Um, at that time, I had a lot of downtime because I was doing the real estate stuff, kind of more or less, you know, goofing off. I'd go into an office, but at times I'm just sitting there playing on the computer um, some of those down times I would take my fly rod and go down to the river and fish. I was working in between New Braunfels and San Marcos, kind of doing some of that area. And so it was like, okay, I'm on my lunch break. I don't have anything for the rest of the day. I'm going to just spend the rest of the day fishing on the guad here. And during that time, I kind of become friends with a few of the guides in the area here as well. And long and short of it, one of them asked me one day if Uh, If I could help him out on a trip, he was double booked. He had an extra boat. He just needed a person to take the the people fishing. I was kind of worried at first, this being, you know, my first possibility. Who was that? uh, The guide? Yeah. Kevin Stubbs. Okay. Uh, Still still around in the area. Yeah. So a good good guy. And, uh, yeah, he kind of helped me out, you know, getting started with the guide stuff. And I'd picked his brain a little bit before I jumped on that trip, you know, about – 
asking him about guiding. What does it take? And he kind of scared me off with his first few, you know, times I talked to him. It's like it's not an easy way to make money, you know, and everybody at that point in time that I knew was a guide was single. They all, you know, relocated during the summer months, and I was like, you know, this might not be an easy way to make money. But I was just headstrong. This is kind of what I wanted to do. I just had this feeling that this is my calling. I don't know why or how I, you know, spent all this time and money getting a college degree in something totally different. But now I feel like this is where I need to be. And so uh, I took that trip with Stubbs, um, fell in love with it. I mean, I was amazed at the end of the day. I was clueless to what I was doing. The clients didn't have a clue. We caught fish, just kind of just flew through the motions. But at the end of the day, driving home, could not get the smile off of my face and kind of had a guilty feeling like, you know, these people know it was my first time (laughs) to take people (laughs) fishing, you know. But then I had to think we caught fish. They had a great time. That was all irrelevant at that point, you know. And at that point, it was like, this is this is my my job this is what i'm gonna do now whatever it takes this is what i have to do um i went back to work at rio at that point in time so i'd taken a break uh from college time working at rio off and on during the summers to you know moving to austin with a full-time job then getting let go starting to guide but i needed something else to fall back on i needed other income especially during the summer because we all know around here in texas it gets pretty hot in the summer and there's a couple of months that's just tough fishing you know bass and pan fish a lot of times just go deep when it gets real hot some of your big bass just go nocturnal during the hot summer months so it's tough fishing i needed something else to round out my you know annual income yep uh still had the foot in the door at rio you know, still had buddies that worked there, um, still knew the owner very well, and so it was just an easy fallback into where I was guiding in the winter time for trout on the quad and renting tubes in the summer months. And so it was kind of fun little time there, you know, always on the river, but different aspects of it. Fishing, drunk people, fishing, <laughs> drunk people. What's your uh, what's your best drunk person story? Hmm. I'd have to think about it here, but uh, there's I've not got, one that just like, oh, no. oh man, no, oh, no, I've got several. <laughs> okay. I imagine there's a lot yeah. of stories to yeah. filter through, I and mean, yeah, I mean, there's some that are sad, some you know yeah. that involve lots of you know possible death and dismemberment. Oh and stuff. my gosh. Oh I've wow, seen some okay, of that on the river. Oh, no. So that is you know an aspect, but you know as far as just drunk people doing drunk stuff, here's a good one. I uh, just thought of. Um, y'all are all familiar with Rio. Yep. You walk down mm-hmm. that hill from the office area straight down those black rubber steps to the water. Right there adjacent to you is the bridge. You know the water underneath the bridge is channelized, mm-hmm. some very shallow rocks with some fairly deep channels in between. And when I say deep, deep being relative, maybe four to five feet deep in some of those holes. Above your waders. Above your waders. Yeah. <laughs> Not diving water, though. (laughs) (laughs) So I was up at the raft shack, uh, the little building up top of the hill where we rent all the equipment out. And this is uh, a Saturday during the summer, um, kind of mid-afternoon. All of our tubes and stuff are out on the water. We're kind of just in that midday waiting for stuff (coughs) to start returning back to us. 
uh, I happen to look over, coming up the hill are three guys, and what caught my eye was just the staggering motion as these three people were walking up. And then I noticed it was two guys, arm in arm, they were helping this one guy walking up. And that's when I started to notice even more, there's a lot of blood coming out oh. of this guy. Oh. And uh, this was this is a karma story, so this guy kind of deserved it. Yep. But uh, they come walking up to me. Uh, guy in the middle's face is literally filleted open. Oh. You know, his Yummy. bridge of his nose up to the top of his forehead is just like a, a, a sheet of lunch meat just oh. <laughs> laying off to one side. And as most head wounds are, they bleed profusely. So I'm I'm pretty sure it's a bad wound, but a lot of it's superficial bleeding. We just need to stop the bleeding, figure out where this flap needs to go to. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, I'm I'm trying to be cautious of, you know, I don't want to get I'm not trying to get all up in this guy's bloody mess either, but yeah. you know, trying to talk him through Let's bandage this up. Ambulance is already on the way. I've already had somebody call him, so, you know, we just need to calm everybody down and stop this bleeding and stuff. That's when I start kind of asking questions once everybody's kind of, you know, taken care of. How did this happen? Well, we were standing on the bridge. Mm. I decided I was going to just dive in. Oh. He dove face first into a rock that was probably about a foot underwater. Oh. That bridge is pretty high too. Yeah, it for, is for diving yeah. anyway. Yeah, I mean it's it's probably yeah. ten foot off the water. Yeah, yeah. that's trout. Straight. Trout get dumped off that bridge, but you can't no. jump off that head first. Head first. Yeah, mm. and so after after they told me that, now granted, it's one of the buddies that was telling me this, and he was kind of hindsight laughing about it. We're obviously, everybody's okay, everybody's going to live, this guy's going to have a messed up face for a while, but we can kind of laugh about it now. It was all I could do to hold it back from laughing, too, you know, I'm just like, you don't jump off the bridges. There's right. signs that say, do not jump right. off bridges here, we just don't jump off bridges, but this guy decided he wanted to mm. face plant on the rocks down there, and he learned his lesson why we don't jump off bridges on the Guadalupe. So. Oh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. So that's just one. That was uh, a, a karma story. I see a lot of that happening. In the summertime, you know, I call it the stupid human tricks. The more people drink, the dumber things that they do. The prizes that they win with those dumb things kind of. Uh, Coincide. I like that. The so, yeah. prizes. That's <laughs> good. <Yeah>. It's <laughs> usually something they'll get to take home with them, whether it's a, a wound or an arrest record or something <laughs> like that. So, yeah. Uh, but always a fun, exciting time, you know, working there in the summer, getting to see all kinds of weird, crazy stuff. It was fun. I enjoyed it. But the older I got, again, like I was saying, it just got old on me. Seeing a lot of people older than me acting way younger than me the more they drank and you know it's like that's just to each their own some folks like to float the river some folks like to get sunburnt to no end and get drunk and float that thing I just did not see any fun in that yeah. and so I just wanted to get away from that and that's kind of when I I transitioned away from Rio into full-time guiding 
started going to Colorado in the summer at that time as well, and basically full-time fly fishing guiding year-round uh, here in Texas most of the year, springs, uh, fall and winter, and then spend the summers up in, uh, in the Roaring Fork Valley guiding for trout up there. So for about five years, I was a full-time trout guide. Even here in Texas, didn't hardly bass fish at all. I'd come here, come back to Texas, usually mid-October, pick up the holdover tournament trout fishing, and just, just trout fishing sail right into the trout season on the quad there. Nice. Um, some of those years were around 2015 when we had some high water, so we were uh, trout fishing well into the summer months. Uh, I remember one year, I think it was 2016, I caught a trout on the Guad on June 21st. On the 25th of June, I was catching trout on the Colorado River in Colorado. So like three or four days time, boom, I'm a thousand miles away catching (laughs) same fish in a different state. That's crazy. It was a lot of fun, uh, especially that that part of my guide career was a blast traveling uh, up to Colorado with the family. At the time, my wife wasn't working. Uh, we only had one kiddo, and I was the breadwinner for the family. So that kind of felt like I'd done something good with my life. You know, I'd come full circle. I'm supporting my family off of this God business now. And, uh, yeah, we did that for about five years. Um, added a second kiddo to the equation. Things got a little harder. Uh, I was going to Colorado by myself. Uh, for some of those summers, the last few I was going up there. And finally, kind of the wife gave me the ultimatum, you know, either come home or find a place to stay in Colorado. And like, I'm going to come on home. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, packed up and, yeah, haven't been back to guide in Colorado since. Don't not regret that. I love fishing in Texas and appreciate being closer to home with family, you know, especially with kiddos getting older and stuff like that. Uh, there was a very real need for me to be here with with my family. So uh, since 2018, I've been back to just guiding here in Texas, doing more bass. Uh, I consider myself still a trout guide. That's probably my forte. Even though I grew up in Texas and didn't grow up fishing for trout, I would say I'm probably better at trout fishing in my guiding stuff than I am at bass fishing. Um, it just makes more sense to me. I get it. I grew up bass fishing. You would think that would be an easier transition, but I just fell in love with the trout. Dry fly, nymph fishing, swinging wet flies and streamers, all of it. Just eat it all up. Um. So how does the... Uh Moving into this season, we've had a really dry, hot summer. So looking forward to this winter and trout. Are you expecting holdovers in the river? And, uh, yeah, yeah, let us know kind of where you're – because I kind of look at it, but, you know, if this season doesn't really start for me or hasn't started for me in years past, so they start putting fish in the river. Sure. But as a guide, you're probably, you know, if there's opportunities for holdovers before all the pressure and everything. Sure. You're probably taking full advantage of that. Um, Surprisingly enough, this year, as hot as it's been and the low flows that we've got, I have seen more holdover trout in the river with my own eyes than I have in previous years. Really? Even in some of the higher water years, for sure. Um, 
I'm not sure exactly why that is, but I'm just counting it as a blessing that we're going to have a few extra trout in the river before trout season kicks around. Um, what are the flows right now? What have they been running the flows at? 75 CFS. Okay. So that's actually higher than when I first started guiding the quad. Uh, for my first three years, summer, spring, fall, winter, the whole year round, it was 55 CFS. Really? Didn't see it go up, didn't see it go down. But we were in that, that drought, you know, coming out of 2011 and 2012, before all the 2015 flooding we had. We had another five, six-year drought period there where it was low, low flows. And it was tough fishing, but, again, those f- fish do their thing. They're going to find their natural areas to feed. I think when the water is low like it is now, a lot of those fish are kind of piled up in those deep holes. Um, they're easy to find. Early on in the season, they may be kind of easy to catch, but that starts to dwindle. Uh, they start to see all those flies. They start to get pressured. They get picky. They're still in the same spot, but there are no pushovers anymore. Yeah. They're wanting the exact fly. They're wanting a good drift. They're needing something different than the junk flies that everybody else is throwing at them. So I'm optimistic that this season's going to be a good one. Um, we are slightly higher flows than what I have seen it before, so I don't think we're in a bad position uh i'm hoping that we get some rain before this fall too just to cool things off mainly but that will help if we get some water coming out of the lake a little bit more to kind of mm-hmm. kick things off and it's always well, the lakes at the lowest level it's ever been or we're about 16 feet or more down i hadn't checked it recently yeah i thought i saw an article that said canyon lake said it's lowest level it approaching Appro- maybe approaching lowest level so yeah, yeah we're getting down there now we're canyons not as bad off as some of our big reservoirs like travis and buchanan and stuff that those get really low yeah um surprising that canyon doesn't as much people draw water off of it uh, especially san antonio draws a lot of water from canyon lake um it's not going to take a whole lot. We have seen it before, you know, overnight. We get some of these big floods that come in and dump, and in a weekend's time, we're back to pool level or more. Yeah. And screaming too much water. We've all seen that in 2015. So it could happen, but uh, I don't think this year will be any different. I do know the New Braunfels Fly Fishers Club has started to supplemental feed some of the fish this summer, and that may have helped to keep some of okay. those fish alive. Some people kind of turn their nose up at it, but, hey, there's 18-inch rainbows swimming in the guad right now uh, in shallow water rising for dry flies, you know, uh, or rising for, you know, flies on the surface. I physically saw that with my eyes. I don't think those fish would be there had that club not been out there feeding those fish. So that's kind of a neat thing going into another low water season, seeing those amount of fish out there before we even put fish in the river. So it'll be nice to see. Um, You know, and also going along with that, starting to see some wild fish, if you will. Some of those holdover fish now become naturalized in the river where they're they're keyed in on the bug hatches. Caught one, I think, two years ago. Okay. I mean, it was... Yeah. A holdover? Yeah. Or a wild oh, fish? A wild fish. Mm-hmm. Wild-born fish. Yeah, but sure. it was like this big, yeah, rainbow cool. trout. So there's it was the state didn't stock it, and 
it's possible there could be some small fish that slip through the cracks at the hatchery that make it to the truck, you know. Somebody might have been holding a small one in his mouth, you know, riding down here from wherever. Uh, it's possible. Uh, I won't say it wouldn't happen, but the amount of those size fish that I've seen caught, seeing people posting online, it's more than just a coincidence. Yeah. There's yeah. natural fish reproduction happening there's fish being born i think we've got a long way to go before we have a native guadalupe trout river here but it's possible you know if we keep doing what we're doing keep practicing catch and release if we could keep the weather pattern stable and keep good water in the river we could eventually have a sustainable trout fishery here on the guad with some supplemental stockings and some possibly wild reproduction there's evidence of it happening we just need to encourage it to keep happening yeah so, I'm well, we can only control so many of those things yeah, that you the, mentioned the weather the weather's <laughs> the one that's the one that's the hard one for 75 sure. yeah. cfs sounds like a dream compared to spring branch we're at like zero right now zero. But yeah most gauges on the upper end are yeah, zero out right now so it's 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 i'm glad to hear that that the water's still looking okay down there. Yeah. Though. That's a good thing. That's encouraging because I've just yeah. been thinking, oh, it's not going to yeah. be good. I was getting ready to sell my gear. <laughs> Start bow hunting. I knew you were going <laughs> to retire. Start bow hunting. <laughs> bow fishing for trout. Yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah, right. I'd be on a... I'd be up You'd be gallows. on a stringer. Yeah. You'd be on a stringer. But, yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I've made my guiding career here on the Guad. Been at it 15 years now. Uh, it's the longest job I've had now. I don't know anything else. Couldn't go back to landscaping probably without going back to some kind of training or school, you know, to yeah. relearn some of that stuff. So, um, now you, uh, you, your outfitter or your guide business is Helen back outfitters. Correct. And you are running solo right now, yes. right? But you have worked for some other people in the past. You were with All Water for a minute yep. and worked with Kevin for a little bit. Uh, I've worked, and, and a lot of the guides, we work together. Y'all sh or y'all share, yeah. When I first started off, um, and Kevin Stubbs got me into it, kind of laid this all out for me, you know. It's like we are competitors, but we also work together. Um Another gentleman y'all have had on the podcast, Kevin Hutchison, yep. made that comment to one of our workshops one time. I used to do some of the fly fishing workshops with Kevin back in the day. And uh, I remember him laying it out to one of these groups of guys, you know, they were asking, you know, how we made a living as guides, you know, working together, doing all this stuff. You know, Kevin basically spelled it out, you know, we, we own our own guide services kevin has his i had mine at the time we had another guy working with us he did his own thing but there's times where we have you know more than a two to one ratio of clients you know we need another boat i need a second or a third or a fourth boat or like kevin needs an extra hand on those workshops he's gonna hire people that know what they're doing so here in texas being a small niche market of guides he's going to hire his competitors which again we all knew each other we all work together for the common good even though i'm trying to reach out to those same clients 
we're going to work together when the time comes because he may need me on that double boat. I'm going to need him later on that double boat. Yeah. Um, so working with some of these guys, uh, again, it's always been kind of one-on-one. Everybody's got their own thing. It kind of would get convoluted at times because somebody did their own program. These guys did their own thing. Alvin came around, a couple of other Guadalupe guys, and formed All Water, where it was kind of they wanted to have a, a standard, if you will. They wanted to have a a standard of guiding. This is the way our guides do things. You're going to get this same quality trip, same quality lunch, same quality experience, you know, versus me going with this guy one day. The next week I go with Joe Blow Guide. We're fishing the same stretch, but it's a totally different trip because he didn't make me a lunch or we just streamer fished the whole trip and didn't slow down and, you know, pick on things or whatever. So once I started out with All Water, actually, they came to me and asked me to be a part of and felt honored to be a part of a a group that at that time was a lot of tenured guides. We were talking about like Alvin himself, uh, Jeff Davis, uh, Winston, Shay, uh, trying to think a few of these Man, other names. Winston. I knew him when I was back at Orvis Austin, but I yeah. have not seen or heard about that so guy in He was kind years. of years. Brought on, you know, with me about the same time there with All Water, but we wanted to have guides that people knew kind of in their kennel, if you will if mm-hmm. you want to call it that, you know, we've got the best guides. If you want to go fish and have the best experience, this is the outfitter that you go with. And it was a great, still is a great operation. They run a great tight ship. Um, you're getting a, you know, from one guide to the next, the trip's going to be kind of run the same. You're going to get the same experience out of it. The guides are going to be different, but you're not going to get this, well, this guy didn't do this for me, so I didn't have this quality time. It's all going to kind of follow into that same routine that we all do with with the all-water trips. Um, This last year, I kind of wanted to get back out on my own. I enjoyed booking my own clients, working with my own people, and doing my own thing. I may slow it down a little bit, not necessarily trying to slow down, but just maybe focusing on my quality clients versus taking any phone call that calls me wanting to fish. Yeah, um, I've got a good core group of my own clients that I've had for a while now. I enjoy fishing with those, and I'm just trying to work on keeping those, you know, coming back and spending more time with those versus seeking just new I'm always happy to take those new ones, but not just, again, taking everything that comes up on my plate there. So uh, kind of in a nice little transition phase right here where I'm going from that, you know, taking everything to working on the quality stuff and and maybe transitioning more into a senior guide role where I'm looking more into uh, volunteering for things. GRTU type things, you know, getting into that uh, leadership positions where, you know, I'm getting to that age now and I'm not the young guy anymore. It's time to take responsibility for the things that I've been making money off of, you know. Let's be a part of this organization and join up. And and now I'll have the time to be able to do some of that stuff. 
I'm gonna yeah. backtrack just just a hair. When you say you're looking for a a different kind of forgive me if this is the wrong way to say it, but a higher quality client, like what kind of factors are you looking for there? Like what what do you how do you how do you weed it out? Yeah, that may so be somebody, that may be bad phrasing. Somebody's listening and they're like, I want to go fishing with you. Sure. Like what are you looking for in somebody yeah? More or less somebody that uh, I enjoy fishing with. That we have a common interest to go fishing together. We enjoy each other's company. I've had my own trips and trips that I've gotten from other outfitters where we just don't mesh. You know, sometimes God and clients don't click. Um, I tend to be a pretty easygoing guy. I don't yell at my clients. I don't get on to them. If they make a mistake, miss a fish, I, I brush it off with them. I find sometimes some of those clients might want a yelling at. They need that to respond, you know. I don't know. I I just don't find that to be my guide style. And I've found some of those guys that are maybe a type A personality, whatever it may be, that they need somebody on their case the entire time telling them what they're doing, whereas I would rather just fish with somebody who appreciates everything yeah they don't have to know exactly what they did wrong on that cast why did i lose that fish i'm not catching the same numbers of fish that i did yesterday the last week last year with you what are we doing wrong it's like we don't need to overanalyze this we just need to have fun and i've got to again those core group of clients we go out we catch fish but i think a lot of that's because we've put the hard stuff behind us we're just out having fun. Yeah. We're just out having good times. We're a couple of buddies. I end up getting a paycheck at the end of the day, but during the whole course of the day, we're just buddies out there fishing. Um, in a guide role, I'm doing a lot of work, but I'm just hanging out with my buddies. Mm-hmm. Whereas I get some of the high-strung clients that I, I start to feel like I'm working. I'm second-guessing myself because the client is now second-guessing me. He questioned what fly I tied on. He's asking me where we should fish. Why are we not catching fish here? Or that boat just caught a fish. It's like my clients that know that routine don't ask that question. They know that puts me in a weird spot now. It puts the pressure on me. So I'm trying to look for those clients that, you know, don't put that pressure on me. Where I'm, I'm experiencing, I can't talk. I'm experiencing pressure anyways as a guide. I just don't need any undue pressure put on me just because the client's excited. They're wanting to catch that fish or they see that other boat over there catching fish and it happens. They look at me like, why, why, why are we not doing this, that, or the other? So just trying to slow down and reach those clients that we can kind of mesh on that same wavelength and just have a good time and fish together. Well, I think you said it right too. It's almost like you're kind of, you know, the first time you fish with a guide, it's almost kind of like feeling each other out, right? Like, it has to be a good fit for both people. It's like dating. I, I find <laughs> a lot of similarities to it when I used to date girls, you yeah. know. There's some girls that like to talk a lot. Uh, I like to listen, you know. So there's guys that get in my boat that like to talk. There's some of my clients that will just, I'll sit there for hours and listen to them talk about nonsense stuff, you know, non-fishing stuff. They're a surgeon and he's telling me how this, you know, how he does these type of surgery procedures and the new techniques or whatever. 
I'm interested just listening. He's yeah. having fun. He's passionate about his job, and it's putting passion into my job just because we're just hanging out, sitting out there catching yeah. fish. Oh, yeah. you got you a fish now. Hold that thought on that story. Let's land this fish. It over. sounds like as you have gotten older and become a more experienced guy that you prefer a more experienced client. And maybe so. I love my first time. Because, I, you know, because it seems like, like guys have never, I guess – if you've never been with a guide before, the expectation is like, I'm going to book a guide and we're going to just slay fish. Yeah. And if that doesn't happen, then I could see where that pressure is. But like an ex- somebody like if we went out and we floated, you know, it's like, you know, we try, we, we make changes, we do what we can do. The boats ahead of us catching a fish, no big deal. But like, you know, we just do our thing and stick to our routine and, Eventually, it'll probably happen, but there's not that, like, undue pressure. I think you can still be, a, like, a first-time uh, fisher or first-time client and still have that kind of mentality. I get know? it a lot. Yeah. yeah. And and that's kind of where I start, you know, weeding out the the ones that I want to maybe fish with in the future. They may have their own agenda, and I may not mesh with them, but they enjoyed my company. And I've had a few of those and they've turned into good clients, you yeah. know, later on where maybe that first trip was just a bad date, but second, third trip, okay, that client just has a weird personality. I know how to deal with him now. So mm-hmm. now we have a great time out there fishing. I just know that guy says weird jokes sometimes, you know, he's just <laughs> off Why is somebody here? looking at me? <laughs> <laughs> But Wait, uh, he, he pointed at you too. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm working with with all water, I got a lot of first time fly fishermen, uh, first timers for me for sure. But there is first time ever fly fishing. Period. Never touched a fly rod. Never trout fished ever or anything. I enjoyed those, and I I definitely would like to seek some of those out too because I've had some of those where I've taken them from nothing. They didn't know anything. They didn't know what tip it was. They didn't know which end of the rod to hold. And now, over a few years, I have molded this client into a trout fisherman. This guy is now a bass fisherman. He likes to fish poppers only. Three, four years ago, he didn't know how to cast, but now he's a snob to the trout stuff. He's a a popper bass fisher guy you know that's all he wants to do now and so i feel like i've accomplished that by taking that person taking them yeah our personalities already mesh we're gonna fish together again but now i've trained this person into this good fisherman and now we just go fish wherever i have some of those that i can call up and say hey i've got the week off i want to go check out this new stretch of river it may not be be fishing well, it may be a total suck out there when we get out there. But their first words out of their mouth is, let's do it. I want to go. I want to go just because I'm fishing with you. I don't care if we catch a fish or not. Now, what you mentioned earlier, I get a lot of my new clients and even some of my old ones. And I think that's why I like, like you said, the experienced clients. Some of my new guys will get out on the boat and not even prompted it just starts off as a slow morning of fishing the first 30 minutes to an hour we may not be just pulling fish in left and right but i look around and nobody else is it's just it's not us the fish just aren't active yet 
And without even prompting them, the client automatically turns to me and says, it's okay. I'm having a blast learning to fly fish today. If I caught a fish, it's just a bonus. Now, I quickly try to shut that down and say, no, 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 no. We're, we're going to try to catch fish. This is going to be a fun day, and our objective is to catch fish. I could take you for a boat ride all day long, put the rods down, and we'll still have fun sitting out here looking at things on the river, but our objective is for you to catch a fish today. But I appreciate the fact that that pressure is not on you. It's not on me. We're just here experiencing this. So do you like it when they when they say that? Because it kind of it opens it up. It's kind of like, okay, all right, they they have taken off the pressure that they understand what this is and what can happen, but they exactly. also know what the goal is. It opens the trip up to many countless possibilities. Yeah. Now I find out that guy is a duck hunter. Now we're looking at ducks floating down the guad. Oh, what kind of duck is that? And that's how I've learned most of my duck species is from taking guys that like to duck hunt out. Yeah. I didn't know all the duck species we had when I first started guiding on the guad. And so having somebody who appreciates the whole aspect of the trip versus I have to catch this fish, this fish, this one fish, or all the fish, I'd much rather have that guy. I know we're going to catch some fish. You know, I'll do everything I can if I have to jump in the river at the last minute and scoop a fish out with my bare hands and put it on the hook for you. We're going to catch one. Right. It never comes to that. Now, I find sometimes we get a few fish on, and because they're a new fly fisherman, we may not land that fish. They lost it because they don't know how to fight an 18-inch rainbow trout for their first time fly fishing ever, you know? (laughs) It's a tall task for anybody. On 5X tippet, on a size 20 hook, they pop off, especially on the newbies. But I love it when they pop that fish off and they turn and look at me and they smile like, that was awesome. Let's do it again. Versus the guy that throws a hissy fit and throws my rod down in the boat and is like, I don't want to, you know, what happened? Why did I lose that fish? You know, I can quickly turn to him and say, well, it's because it's your first day to fly fish. I can throw it back at you just as easy, you know, but let's keep the pressure where it needs to be. Not on you, not on me have fun and just learn the whole thing so i love those guys that say that they just turn and look at me man i'm i'm having fun learning i don't care if i catch a fish and eh, just keep that in the back of your mind we're going to catch one here in a minute yeah you're getting better with it so <laughs> you've been uh how long have you been helping out at green working the fly shop i just started this summer yeah uh so i needed some summer income this year i didn't want to go back and work the tube stuff just didn't interest me this summer I kind of wanted to stay in the fishing stuff, but I knew it was going to be a long, hot summer. Um, Talking with a buddy of mine who was kind of in the know at Green Outfitters, kind of come to find out that Tanner, the gentleman that was working in the fly shop back there the last year or so, was going to be moving off to Utah this uh, summer. And so they needed some help, and it was just a natural fit. Tiffany wanted somebody in there that had some experience you know fishing as a guide it was a no-brainer so I kind of just fell into that job is just I needed a job do you like working in a a fly shop I do uh it's a lot of fun I worked in a fly shop when I was guiding in Colorado part of working for an outfitter up there I had to pull some shop hours especially my first year but I enjoy working with the customers uh, especially knowing those customers I'm not going to go fish with but I can help them 
go be successful on their own because I'll get them coming in asking me for fly suggestions. I'm not going to give you all my secrets, but we're going to walk around and we're going to talk about a few things. I'm going to give you some suggestions. I'm not going to point at any one specific fly, but you should try these colors. You should try these patterns over here, you know, kind of wave the hand in the general area. <laughs> but I love it when those guys come back into the shop and like, hey, man, that one fly you told me, and I could have totally just pulled a fly out of the box anywhere. Yeah, It's just something that I've given them confidence in being in the shop there, and they go out and fish it, and they catch fish on yep. it. And I love it when they come back and say, man, Judd, that fly you sold me last week, I caught best bass i caught a hundred pan fish on it the paint's falling off of it now that's when you, you get your pen more. and paper say what was that again what did you fish <laughs> so but i i love uh I, i'm ate up with fly fishing i don't think i'll be doing anything else now on but working in the shop's a totally different aspect of it getting to help customers going out and doing their own thing versus me being in a boat with them holding their hand uh, I'm not a salesman, which is kind of how I got into fly fishing. And that was probably the hardest thing for me to wrap my head around when I was asked to come work at Green Outfitters. And I told them, you know, I told Tiffany and everybody, it's like, I, I don't sell stuff. Never have been. I'm not comfortable selling stuff. I'm glad they were confident in me because I don't feel like a salesman at, at the fly shop there. I just talk about stuff. I talk about the rods I use. People ask me, what kind of flies do you like to use? I just talk about flies. I'm not selling anything. I'm just talking. And it naturally comes across as that sales, you know. I'm, I'm making the sale without even trying. Yeah. And it's just a natural, you know, just yep. having conversations with people. I like talking with folks. I'm scatterbrained at times, so we jump all over the place and go crazy. But, you know, we... I just like interacting with those folks in the shop, whether they're just walking in, looking around, and I get that a lot in the fly shop. People have never fly fished. Green's a big touristy area. You get a lot of folks coming in there and just looking around. There's fly fishing in Texas? Yep. <laughs> and then they just walk right out of there, and I'm just... Yeah, every really? day, every day at Orvis, you can fly fish in Texas. Yep, I'm sure you've seen. <laughs> oh that there. gosh, we happen to have our uh, fish pond nets right there by the doorway. And Tanner had told me about this when I first started. But everybody that walks in that door that doesn't fly fish is does the exact same thing. They'll walk in, they'll look around, they'll make some comment about fly fishing. Their hand will touch those rubber bags on the nets there. They'll squeeze those for a minute. They may make another comment, and then they just fade out. <laughs> Every time. Every time. That's I don't know what it is about those nets, but they have to touch those there nets. There is a sensory thing about touching yeah. the rubber net, though. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, man, woman, child, non-fly fishermen alike, they all have to touch that net. Yeah. It's know? it's like when a guy straps uh, the dad joke where a guy like straps something down on the truck, and they're like, they tap it. That's not going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Testing the tension yeah, on the yeah, strap. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but out loud they say, that's not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> it's kind of like at the fly shop, people wiggling rods. I oh, I love it. there yeah, and watch people it wiggle. It shows you absolutely nothing. <laughs> <too>. <laughs> oh, yeah, and I laugh, and I watch them wiggle those rod tips over there, and they'll get two at a time going in both arms, <laughs> just going back and forth, and I'm like that. And I'll even say it out loud to them. Let's go cast those. Let's see exactly what they do. 
Oh, no, I'm just shopping. Okay. I tells you nothing right there, just how wiggly that rod is. That's all it's going to tell you. I had to teach somebody close to me that you two know. You haven't met her. You might one day how uh-huh. uh, to test a rod the other day. We were at a, at a, I won't say what store, but she grabbed it and was wiggling it like that. I said, what do you think you're doing when you do that? <laughs> so I'm just seeing where it bends. I said, no. If anything, just cast, like pretend to cast it. You yeah. can see how the rod bends. Wiggling, you never use the rod <laughs> like that. It's <laughs> not going to show you anything. <laughs> Maybe Gabe does when he's zero or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, they'll come in and they'll go down the whole rack of rods there. They'll grab one off each section and just shake it for all they're worth. And that tip's going vibrating mm-hmm. back and forth. I'm just like, yeah, I guess that's a good wiggly one there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good stuff. What's your, uh, what's the best fish a cl- one of your clients has caught? Your best, that's a, your best fish is a guide. Uh, I've got a trout and a bass on that one. Uh, one of my trout ones uh, would be, it was on the lower section. It was one of those high water years. I think this was 2016. Those trout that year and the higher flows were hanging in classic trout holding water. This particular fish was holding in some very skinny water right below Ingram Bridge. I don't know if y'all fish that area very often uh right below ingram bridge it makes kind of a hard sweeping bend before it connects with river road and kind of parallels the road there for a bit so this hard bend happens to have this big tree limb that hangs over and as you get into that bend it comes out of this flat shallow riffle and dumps into this drop off and back on that edge on the edge of the drop off is a little hole and eddy over there kind of where that tree limb's hanging off I had a good stick that day. We had floated from L&L down, so we're in our last half of the day getting down to Rocky Beach to take out. Uh, So we're kind of on the tail end of the trip here. Uh, We come under Ingram Bridge. It's high water, so, you know, we're just rocking and rolling through everything. He spots it, and he asks me about the spot. Should I make this cast? It looks fishy. In normal... Normal water flows on the quad. I would have said, no, it's too shallow. There's no fish holding over there. It's too shallow. But this year, being that the water was higher, it's still shallow. It was probably a foot and a half deep versus an inch deep right now. He made the cast, got a drift in there, and as that bubble's drifting down, I just had these recollections of guiding in Colorado the way that indicator was just sliding over that riffle there and about to dump into that hole. And we're sitting there in the boat gliding through that same riffle, and it's all happening at the same pace, you know, at a pretty pretty rapid rate there. And just like a wild trout in Colorado, all of a sudden that indicator yanked down and took off upstream. The guy did everything right, set the hook, kept the pressure on him. We ended up dragging the fish back downriver with us. Turned out to be a 26-inch rainbow. Big And ate a uh, size 20 rainbow warrior. Perfectly placed, just, I mean, it, right place, right time, you know, in a foot and a half of fast, riffly water, that fish just had to be right on that little tiny, shiny fly there and sucked it up. Damn, and 26 so, inches. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's an impressive fish. It was a nice one. Uh, definitely, you know, my most memorable trout on the quad. I think not only the fish being memorable, I mean, it was a beautiful fish, a big fish, it was a big stalker. It had the club tail, you know, kind of half chewed off. Yeah, square tail. I love but it. But I think what made it so special for me 
and the client too was just how the whole thing unraveled you yeah. know we he called the shot he saw he you know recognized that as being a fishy spot he even asked me my opinion on it and i gave him the go ahead and we all watched it happen you know as that indicator slid in just like it should he was on top of the men's boom there's the fish just like textbook like it should be nice you know? that one was a lot of fun um i do have a big bass uh fish story that one was on the colorado uh had a couple of clients that came down from dallas and we were going to fish an all-day deal um they had a big big weekend plan they were meeting some friends in town they had all this other stuff planned so fishing was just kind of icing on the cake so we started off our morning got on a few bass pretty quick i think it was the second hour of the day we switched over to some bigger flies because we were catching some decent-sized fish on some articulated stuff. And I felt like these guys were casting comfortable enough that we could handle these bigger, heavy flies. And about half an hour into casting those bigger flies, I could see, yeah, they're struggling a little bit. We're, you know, trying to work this fly too hard. They're just casting too hard, working the rod too hard. It's like, we just need to slow down a little bit. About that time, the guy in the front seat made a... Not the greatest cast in the world. It came in kind of low, and I fly the lines kind of zipping between me and him in the boat there. And about that time, I see the line come through. Here comes the fly stuck right in this gentleman's back. Oof. Big articulated, I think it was a size two hook, like a circus peanut or one of those, you know, Kelly Gallup flies. Yep. He's asking me to pull the fly out of his shirt. I thought it was hung up in his shirt, and I reached up there to grab it. And when I did, I f saw him wince in pain. And that's when I realized one of them hooks is in his skin. Well, it just so happened to be it was right over the top of his backbone there, the thinnest part of skin, you know, right on top of the spine there. It's like, we're going to leave that thing alone because I don't want to give you any kind of a spinal <laughs> injuries out here yeah. today, you oh, know. Man. Um what we're going to do, and it probably wasn't the best decision. Hindsight, I was still kind of early into my guiding career. Hindsight, looking back now, we probably could have tried some other techniques to remove this fly. But again, it was a barbed size two hook. I needed this guy to keep fishing all day. I needed to get this fly out. So what we did is we cut the hook off rather than pull it out and left the tip of the hook inside of him. Oh, Knowing full well, he's going to have to go to the doctor at the end of this trip. Yeah. This was his call, too. He was like, I want to fish. We want to keep fishing. <laughs> yeah. And that was the ultimatum I gave him, too, there in the middle of the river was we either do this or we reel it up and head to the boat ramp yeah. and go to the ER. Right. So they were fully willing to do what we wanted, what I was wanting to do. And it's like, this is, you know, I don't want this fly to be pinching your shirt all day and every time you move to cast be pulling on that fly causing you any undue pain so we're just going to clip it off that way the shirt's out of the equation too so all that happened hour later this same guy lands a nine and a half pound large <laughs> on the same style fly different fly because we'd cut that hook off but we just swapped it over for the same olive circus peanut lands this huge bass and i've got a picture of this guy holding the bass up by the belly and this guy's a not a little guy he's about six foot tall probably 280 pounds just a big mountain of a guy he's got his 
full man fist, you know, shoved up. And just for scale, I wanted him to do it. He had, you know, a lip bass in his first picture. But I sit in there looking at this fish. I was like, look how big that mouth is. Do me a favor. Make a fist. I want you to just put your fist in his mouth. So I've got this guy in a picture holding this nine-pound bass, nine-and-a-half-pound bass with his giant fist just sticking there in his mouth. Oh, man. So that was a pretty cool experience. At the end of that trip, you know, we get to the boat ramp, get the boat loaded up. I get them to their car, and they were making the comment, too, you know, we had reservations at some Austin restaurant downtown, you know, they were going to go eat at tonight. And I was like, well, y'all guys are going to have a trip to the ER because you still got that metal hook in you. Yeah. He had so much fun catching that fish, he had totally forgotten about it. <laughs> <laughs> still stuck in his back. But I had to remind him, you know, no, 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 y'all go to the ER right yeah. now. So... <laughs> Go get that. That's awesome. Oh, man. So that was a pretty cool story there. What's your bucket list fish? Dorado. There you go. Yeah, I I like the jungle aspect (coughs) of that. I want to go catch some just weird fish in the jungle. I like watching some of those videos of how those fish feed. Very, very aggressive, very... You and I might need to talk after this podcast. Okay, yeah. I might have some info for you. Okay. Yeah. That's something I, I think it's an easy attainable bucket list item, but it's definitely pinnacled on my list just because of the, the type of fish it is. It looks like a trout. It eats like a bass, so it's got two things that I like, you know, already, and it's in the jungle. It's like, what can you not love about that? You're, you know, fishing with monkeys and toucans <laughs> flying around you, you know? It's can't be yeah. any better than that, so. I've seen, I like to watch the videos online because it's intense, so there's, they're casting, 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 whatever, then they see a fish and they change directions and cast, and this big, giant, golden thing comes flying out of the water. And they're you so see cool. them down in the water, you oh, know, yeah. that giant gold silhouette yep. just flashing around on that fly yep. it's like it's only f- what looks like five feet deep of clear water and there's half a dozen of these you know 28 inch long however big giant gold yep. missiles just darting around with big massive heads and teeth you know and just chomping on everything mm-hmm. it just Watching those videos and how insane the fight is, hooking up, you know, and the thing thrash around. I'm just like, I'm going to have a heart attack watching these oh, yeah. videos yeah. here. It's getting, my, yeah. cool it's getting my blood pumping a little bit too fast. <laughs> oh, cool. Where uh, where can people, if people want to book a trip with you, how do they get in touch with you? Uh, I've got my website. Uh, it's centraltexasflyfishing.com. Uh, this was back in the early days of making websites and stuff. I was trying to set keywords into a website name, so that's where it got its name, Central Texas Fly Fishing. Uh, you can also give me a call, my phone number. Uh, do we need to give that out? You can if you want. Yeah. yeah. That's 512-940-5965. It's the easiest way to get a hold of me. I do respond to text pretty quick. So if you call me with a voicemail on the river, I'll probably get back to you later in the day when I get off the water. But usually I can shoot a quick text out if you wanted to ask a quick question if I'm out on the river or something like that. Um Instagram, Helen Back Outfitters. Instagram on Helen Back Outfitters. I'm not a big social media guy. 
I, again, I think I'm the right generation. I just didn't have that drive to get active into that stuff, and it's all been kind of lost on me, and I've been playing catch-up ever since. So I'll post things on there, but it's probably not going to be my first go-to reaching out on uh, social media platforms and stuff. Okay. Instagram's where I do spend more time, though. If I do post anything, it's all going to be there. I don't have any other. And we'll link your website and everything in the description so people can go down there and click on it if you're listening to the podcast. You can also find me at Green Outfitters for the remainder of the summer. I may still be around a little bit in the fall, maybe some days of the winter. uh, If I've got some days off during trout season this year, so I'll be kind of kicking it around a little bit more there some. Cool. And last but not least, Ironfly. You got any updates? Do I? Do you? I don't Did know. Did we talk about this already? Uh, I don't think so. I, uh, Ditch Fish it, and Fly is going to be donating some flies for the raffle. And Bimini is going to donate a rod. And Roy's, Roy's just sent us a bunch of gear. Yep. It's on the way right now. Remote Designs is sending us a bunch of waterproof packs. Nice. Aerosmith agreed to be there. So that would be cool. <laughs> I really that. Uh, if I say it enough, manifest it, man. Manifest <laughs> it. I confirmed with our tattoo artist. Nice. So he's going to do a bunch of, he's going to start doing a bunch of drawings and send them over to Ooh, me. Ooh, and then we got to get one good. to set up. We can be this, we can be the displays. Yeah. Uh, I like that idea. Yeah. I'm we a can fan. each get, I get to choose first and you guys can choose whatever's left. Okay. Y'all are going to get <laughs> tattoos before? I'll get oh, it at yeah. the event. So the yeah. thing is, we're going to have the tattoo artist there. At okay. the event. Yeah. And I'll get it before yeah. as a promotion to come to the event to get a tattoo. Right. Because yeah. the, in my experience, every event that has a tattoo artist, that is the thing that books up quickly. And most people who want one don't get one because of Two the books. interest in it. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe thing. we need to do that for promotion for you then. Yeah. We can go, we can go and get a tat- watch you get a tattoo and film it. Film it, yeah. You have a t- you don't you don't have a tattoo, do you? I have a brand. Oh yeah, you. Oh, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. right. Yeah, you're the real, you're the real are, man here. <laughs> are you ready for a I'm tattoo? The re- I'm the real idiot. Here. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, whatever. Do you have a tattoo? I do. Yeah, it's uh, on my back. I got it a long time ago. American, out of it's place. American <laughs> eagle with a flag. You know, huge like all the way up and down the back. <laughs> it's actually a pretty decent size, but it's. Where I can't even see it, honestly, there's times I've totally forgot I've yeah. <laughs> the thing. So, yeah. That's funny. My brother yeah. has a back tattoo, and he's like, half the time, he's like, yeah. people are like, you have a tattoo? And he's like, oh, that's right. I do have a tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I have to look at it in the mirror. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, it's still there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Ironfly, October 21st, you can sign up on our website. It is now available to sign up. If you want to participate in the fly tying, you have to sign up. You can sign up at the event or you can sign up early. We would prefer if you sign up early because everyone that signs up is going to get a hat. And if you sign up early, that will guarantee you a hat at the event. Because there is going to be a limited number. If you yes. sign up early, you're guaranteed yeah, one. Yeah. At day of, you're not guaranteed. And you don't have to. The $30 covers you to participate in the event and covers your hat. There's no additional charge for the hat. But if we need to know how many hats we need to order, so if you want a hat, then you need to go to our website, honeyholeangling.com, click on Ironfly. That'll take you to the sign-up form. You can pay your $30, and you guys are good to go. If you just want to go and not tie flies but hang out, participate in the raffles, enjoy live music, drink beer, that there's no charge for that. So um, 
And we might have some extra hats at the event to sell if you just want a hat. Well, yeah. here's a question. I don't know if I should save it for later, but I'm going to ask it now anyway. What if somebody just wants the hat and they don't want to go? So you said you can buy the hat. You can just oh, oh you can just buy the, you oh, can you just like, buy a hat. Pre order the hat if you want one, and then just get the hat and the proceeds go. Can we you do can something yeah. like that? Yeah, for yeah. $30. If you want, if you want a hat, yeah. you need, you well, need that's to, what I mean. You need to go to our website and sign up for the Iron Fly. That will get, guarantee you a hat, but you do not have to participate. Do you have yeah. to attend though? What if they just want to donate from afar? Could we do something like that? I mean, that? If, I'm sure if you... They if would you need to come to the event to pick the hat up. Okay. Or, I mean, if there's... Because we're going to lose it on shipping, and I don't have shipping set uh, up yeah, on yeah. the website. Fair enough. Fair so, enough. Real Recovery is not going to get any money on that, and I don't have shipping set yeah, that up. That makes sense. So, hats at the event. Yep. Or have a friend pick up your hat. If we have some left over, I'll probably put them up on the website and set up shipping, but that's only if we have some left over. But that's a that's a big if. But October twenty first, Faust Brewing Company, New Braunfels, Texas, starting at two p.m. It's going to be a great party, raise money for a good cause, and have some fun. And have some fun. Our judges are Chris Johnson, Chris Kowalski, and who was Kevin? The, the Kevin Hutchison. Cool. So we got an A plus judge panel. So it's going to be it's going to be fun. So we hope to see you guys out there. Um, that's all I got. You guys got anything else? Nope. Thank you, Judd. Thank you. This yeah, was great. You. We really appreciate it. We really appreciate you coming and joining us. So, All right, guys. We'll catch you all in the next episode. Peace. Look in the description below to find links to our website, online store, YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Discord server, and blog. Please send your podcast questions and inquiries to info at honeyholeangling.com. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll see you again next week.